Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Well, it's great for me to be here with you. I do send uh, greetings from my wife, who was unable to come and be with me today, which also gives me great liberty to say what I want to say. So we're just going to enjoy that today. I do ask that you'd be in prayer for her. She's under the weather just a little bit. But uh, anyway, that's just the season we're in, right? So everybody looks around, and is it COVID? No, it's not COVID. It's a common cold. So... That's what we were told. But any case, so let me ask, how's your New Year's resolutions going? How many have kept them so far? Never made any. Never made any. Now, why would you not make a New Year's resolution? Huh? What's that? Never got, that Never got that far, and the first has already come and gone, so why start, right? <laughs> yeah. Most of us don't like making New Year's resolutions because we usually don't keep them, right? It just doesn't seem to work. And, you know, why is it just that we do that one time a year? Why is it that, how, how come it's so magical, I guess, that we have a brand new year and it's time for a New Year's resolution? We're going to do far better than we did last year, right? Yeah? But it doesn't happen that way, does it? Because change is always hard. And we always have to stop and think about why are we wanting to make the change in the first place? What is the motivation? And wouldn't it be great if we had somebody who would write these uh, how-to books on how to change your life? Have you ever found any of those books? They're all over the place, aren't they? All kinds of books about how you can change your life. But yet we all kind of get to the same place, or at least I hope so, because that's kind of where I'm at. It never seems to work. It never seems to give me the complete change that I want. And I don't know, I wish that, well, I was reminded of a story. There was a young man who uh, thought he was a pretty good driver, and he was out on a county road, and as he was going, he thought maybe he could go a little bit faster. And being able to accomplish that, he went a little bit faster until, you know, how it goes. He lost control of the car and went down into the ditch, banged up his bumper and his fender, and as he was out looking around, he saw something bright and shiny over there in front of the car where he had gouged out a little bit of the, of the, uh, the, the, the dip there. And he noticed that it was uh, a lamp, you know, one of them Arabian lamps, you know, like they have, you know. And it, and it had a little bit of dirt on it, so he, he rubbed it, and sure enough, out pops a genie. And the genie looks around and says, Who dented my lamp. And he says, well, I must have, you know, when I crashed into the ditch. And he says, well, normally I would grant you three wishes, but because you dented my lamp, I'll give you one. And the young man said, oh, boy, I wished I was a better driver. (laughs) And poof, he was. The genie turned him into a woman. So, anyway, all right. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, and, um, you know, we're going to be looking at at chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, or excuse me, 1 to 6, because we want to get all of it in. Let me read it for you, 
It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, and just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today as we, as we look into the book of Ephesians, as we talk about the things that are important uh, to our lives, and we just ask that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct. Uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, whatever I have prepared, that you would use it in such a way uh, that we could hear from you, because that's really our desire. Our desire is to hear from you, because you are the Lord of all. And we accept, Father, that, that there are many times that we think that we can do things on our own, but we know that without your help and without your guidance, without your direction, Lord, that we will fall short. And we thank you, Father, for giving us this time. In Christ's name, amen. You know, as I was looking for what I should preach on this, this uh, week, I've been talking with Luke, and we've, we talked oh, probably a couple of months ago, and uh, he said, can you be here? And I said, of course. And uh, we had our convention, and, and our convention this year, was the theme was therefore. And it, it was taken from Matthew chapter 28, and it came right out of the Great Commission. Uh, you know, it talks, Jesus, you know, is saying, you know, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples. And it's this therefore that was important because it's, it's the fact that Jesus had all authority and all power on heaven and on earth that therefore gave us the right or the commission to go out and make disciples in his name. It's the therefore that says that we have this authority. And so therefore is always to remind us that we're supposed to look backwards and say, why is it therefore, right? And it's, it's sort of one of those things that, that remind us that if this is true, then this must follow. If this is true, then therefore we need to be doing this. And in the book of Ephesians, there are a number of therefores. And the one that I, I focused on today is the one here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord... Uh, Paul is actually, at this particular time, he's in a Roman jail. And he is writing these letters uh, to all the places that he has been before. And this one happens to be, you know, uh, signed off to the Ephesians church. But more than likely, this letter was passed around to all of the churches. It was a cyclical letter that they would share. Uh, you know, that's kind of the way communications took place then. And he says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord, and I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. As one body, one Spirit, and just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He said, you read that already, Rick. Why do we have to read it again? Because I want us to understand all that's contained in there. There's so much there. He says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Now, what do you think of when you think of calling? Uh, as a district minister, I had a calling in my life uh, to go into ministry. There was a time when I was, uh, it was my high school, uh, when I was in high school, a senior in high school, and I thought I had everything all figured out. 
okay? Do you guys remember that, that uh, phase in life, or maybe you're there now, where you think the whole world's before you, and, and uh, they just can't wait for you to show up? That, that was who I was, you know? And I thought I had it all figured out. I was pretty good in wrestling, and I had received uh, some offers and some interest uh, from some schools. I was going to get a scholarship, I was pretty sure. And, uh, you know, I was going to be one of the first ones in my family to go to college. And I liked architecture. I was pretty good at drafting. We had a class for that. And I had it all figured out. I was going to make lots of money and all those kind of things. And I had just become a Christian. And I, I thought, you, you know, the world needs more Christian architects, right? So everything was going to go my way. Well, yeah, things did come my way. We actually had a heavyweight uh, at wrestling practice that stumbled, and he actually fell on my shoulder when I was in an awkward position, and there went my wrestling scholarship, yeah, uh, tore up my shoulder pretty good, yeah, so that was that, uh, but I did get my letter, that was important, I was a four-year letterman, I was waiting for applause, but anyway, you know, it really doesn't matter at this point in my life, does it, yeah, but anyway, but it changed my life, and I remember kind of wondering how I was going to afford college and wondering whether I really wanted to be an architect, all of those kind of things. And I was in a church like this one, and there was some guy droning on up there at the pulpit, and like I am today, and I, my mind began to drift. And I said, well, what is it, God, that you would want me to do? And I began getting this sense, this burning in my heart, that maybe I should go into full-time ministry. And I had no idea what that looked like. And then I looked up at the, at the stage and looked at the, and he was an older guy like I am now. And I thought, I don't want to be that guy. And now I is that guy. Yeah. And I thought, is that really what you want? And I began to explore it. And sure enough, there was this growing desire that I could do nothing else but go into ministry. And sometimes we think of calling like that, that pastors get callings or missionaries get callings. But in this context, it's not about somebody getting a calling to this particular uh, vocation or another. It's about the calling of the church. The book of Ephesians is a place where, where Paul begins to explain to them the purpose of the body of Christ. Why we are all to be working together. And so when he speaks about the fact that there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one Father. On and on, he says, there is this oneness that must be held together and must be understood. The context is that the, the church in Ephesus was a place uh, where Artemis had a temple. Have you ever heard of the seven wonders of the world? Yeah. Well, the, the temple at, of Artemis there was in Ephesus. Okay? It was one of the seven wonders of the world. And it was a fertility cult, if you will. And it was part of the Roman pantheon. They, every time they found a god, they had included in. So everybody got included. Yeah? And it was a big business. And so in this particular town, there were a lot of people who would have been Gentiles. And they would have been following a different uh, god that we would never have even imagined in our day to day. But this is what, where Ephesus was. And it was at Ephesus that they began to hear the good news of Jesus Christ through Paul and some of through the missionary journeys that had taken place. And it was there that there was also a group of Jews who happened to live in Ephesus who heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And they converted 
from, quote, Judaism, if you will, to Christianity. And the Gentiles, they converted from following Artemis or some other god to becoming Christ followers as well. And now you have these two groups of people coming together and they are to be one body. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Can you imagine the discussions they had about how to do church? I mean, we get upset, you know, trying to discover, you know, what's the right color of the carpet, right? When we do remodelings, right? But can you imagine what they had to do? And Paul was reminding them over and over and over again, look, there is only one God, there is only one way of salvation, and there is only one body. And he tells them in Ephesians that all of us, each of us, have received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our salvation. The same Holy Spirit that the Jews received is the same Holy Spirit that the Gentiles received. It is one. And he goes on and he says, Therefore walk according to your calling. You have been called out. You have received the good news of Jesus Christ. And you are to live together as the body of Christ in order to build up the body of Christ as each one of us carries out our spiritual duties. And each and every one of us have received a spiritual gift. You've heard that before, right? And you know that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, that the Spirit comes and dwells within us, right? Yeah? So, here's, here's the thing for us old people, okay? My granddaughter, she accepted Christ this year. She's nine years old, right? And it just was the greatest news we'd ever heard, Yeah? When my daughter-in-law called us up and said, you know, that Anessa had something that she wanted to share with us, it was the sweetest Zoom call we had ever had, yeah? And just to know that God was in her, that she had understood and that she had accepted Christ as her Lord and as her Savior. Because this guy, this father, often worries about the next generation and my children and my grandchildren and perhaps my great-great-grandchildren. If the world is this bad, just think about how bad it could be. I don't want to leave my grandchildren with this kind of a world. And then God spoke to me, and he says, you know, Rick, the same spirit that you received when you accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior is the same spirit that fell at Pentecost. It's the same spirit that the Jews received when they accepted Christ and the same spirit that the Gentiles who were following after Artemis received. And it'll be the same spirit that will indwell the next generation. The same spirit that will empower them to do what they need to do for their generation. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? The God who knows all things has already prepared all things and God is in control. And he has given to us not only the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, but according to this, it says he's also given to us the body of Christ, the church. That each and every one of us are part of that church. Now, why is that so important? Do you guys do the video thing? Am I on YouTube or something right now? Oh, dear. Okay. I, my wife said she was going to be watching me today. So, all right. Change this one. No. You know, the body of Christ 
is coming together. It's, it's the idea that we are in touch with one another. The idea that your spiritual gift, your history, your talents, God's provision through you helps all of us be able to carry out the work of God. That's how God has set the church up, right? So let me give you an example. So, you know, every time we, we get a calendar, we, we look forward to kind of filling it in with all of the birthdays and that kind of stuff. You know, but like I said, sometimes it's really kind of fun when you get a new year, you kind of get to say, okay, that year's over, now I get to start over again. Well, in 2018, we were looking forward to 2019 because in 2018, my, my son-in-law, uh, in June of 2018, uh, he died of a, of a sudden heart attack. He died in his sleep. And my daughter, Tanya, came home from work and she found him. And I remember getting that phone call from my daughter. She called and she said, Dad, Dan's gone. And I thought, well, where did he go? You know, he, he liked to go fishing. I don't know. He's gone. And she says, no, Dad, he's, he's dead. And it was news that I hadn't expected. And it, you know, it just kind of brings you to your knees and it kind of sucks the air out of your lungs. And we got through it. You know, we had the service. We, we helped our daughter Tanya as best we could. Uh, they were living up in uh, Cocker City in Kansas, almost to the Nebraska border. Yeah. And, you know, there was a season where things were starting to kind of get back in line for, for Tanya. But it was hard. You know, they'd been together for 12, 14 years. And he was gone, just like that. And... Then we had Thanksgiving, and Tanya came, and she joined us at my mom's in Hutchinson. That's where we, my mom lives, and we had Thanksgiving, and my wife loves family pictures, right? And I figure if somebody can take a picture with a Polaroid or, you know, one of them iPhone things, that's good enough, but she wanted a professional picture, a portrait of us, because we were all together. It doesn't happen very often. My son's up in Alaska, my daughter's in Iowa, and my son and daughter-in-law, uh, they're in Seattle area. So when we all got together, uh, grandma's, well, let's go get a picture taken. That's all she wanted for Christmas, she said. Yeah, I didn't believe her either. She wanted something under the tree. But the picture was really, really important. And I remember, we, you know, do we have to dress up? Well, of course you do, that kind of stuff. And my, my wife got it all set up. We went into Hutchinson. There was a studio there, a professional photographer. She took our pictures. And later that day, uh, Tanya had to go back to work. And she went home to Cocker City. And a couple of days later, there was a snowstorm that came through. And Tanya was supposed to be on to work early. And she thought that she could maybe get to work early and get there before the storm broke, right? but she didn't make it. Um, what happened was, was that the roads were icy, and she went off of the ditch, and just at a cur curve there, she kind of went over the culvert, and her white car kind of got blended in with all of the snow. And it was a blizzard, and on November 25th, uh, my daughter died of exposure. Tanya died. So in June and now in November... Now, I'm telling you these things because 
it's important for us to understand what people go through. We're not the first ones that have lost a child that way. All of us understand that life is frail, that we have no idea what is yet to come. But the thing for us is that as your district minister, I cover eight states and I oversee 38 churches. Yeah? And so for me to be at a church about every weekend means that we don't have a home church, so to speak. We're gone. I mean, if I was a member of your church, I'd be the worst member ever because I'm never here. Yeah. And so after the funeral, after everything was done, we drove up to Dell Rapids where we live, and we pushed the button to open up our garage door, and we drove in, and I remembered then that I was supposed to have changed the light bulb, you know, in the garage door opener, and the garage was dark, and it was empty, and I remember turning off the key and thinking, we're home, we're at a house. But nobody in Del Rapids knew anything about our daughter's passing. The next day, we had to get groceries. We'd been gone for two weeks. And nobody in the store noticed us. I went and bought light bulbs at the hardware store. Nobody gave me a hug. There was nobody who knew. We didn't have people with flesh on that could give us a hug, that could give us, you know, those casseroles. You know, we had to cook our own meals, you know, all that stuff. And that sense of not belonging, of not having a home, drives me to do what I do. We have so many people in this world who don't have a home like that, that don't have anybody. Even in a city this size, I'm sure there are people that are new to the community, that are strangers, immigrants, if you will, from someplace else. They have no one to help carry that burden with them. You know? That sense of having somebody who knows your name. You know, there used to be a TV show like that, right? This idea that we are one body. Our district is, covers eight different states. So it starts in Montana, got North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska. We've got Minnesota, we've got Iowa, we've got Wisconsin, and Indiana. Yeah. And 13 of our 38 churches are ethnic churches. A third of our district is made up of different ethnicities. I was trying to think all of the different ones. I think I counted them right. We have four Russian churches, so if you go there, they'll speak Russian. We have three Congolese churches. We have five Ethiopians as well as one that is the Lakota Sioux. Yeah. They speak different languages and they came to our country and they have no home. They're immigrants. They came. And I was thinking about in Genesis chapter 36, there's a word there that's called Rehoboth. And one of our churches, Lincoln, uh, has called themselves Rehoboth Church. And Rehoboth means a wide place, a place for us to belong. And that's where the word comes from. Here is a place for us to be, a home, where we can grow and we can flourish. 
And one of the things that we do as a district is we help them come and join a district that supports them not only in terms of helping them to understand what's happening in the United States, but helps in the way of teaching. That helps in terms of, of giving them a, an umbrella, if you will, to protect them. We also have ways that we can help them with buildings and things like that. The idea that somehow or another, this is what we are to be about. Helping churches be a home for people. At our convention, it was our 111th convention that we had, and we had it up in Jamestown. 111 years we've had the Central District Convention. And I was thinking about that, you know, that, uh, you know, why are we a denomination? Why are we part of this? I was noticing on the inside of your bulletin, look at all these organizations that have been listed here for you. All of them have a purpose. Why do they exist? And that's what we were asking ourselves at this convention. And we finally were able to come out and, and we said that the Central District Conference has sought to continue the vision of our founders by impacting the world through the gospel. The main thing has to be the main thing, that we are here to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We're here to make disciples. And it goes on and it says, we exist to strengthen our churches and our church leaders, our pastors, to plant new churches and to renew existing churches and give biblical training and clarity on what it means to be a theologically conservative, evangelical, Anabaptist network of churches on mission. And I know some English teacher said that's a run-on sentence. Yeah? But you know what? It's very specific. We are here to empower our churches to be the best that they can be. And we want our pastors to be as strong as they can be. And our leaders to have everything that they need. And we recognize that we have opportunities to plant new churches. We have, we have four church plants, is what we call them. We have redemption. Uh, that's up, um, just lost, Owatonna, <laughs> lost it there for a second, Minnesota, with Christian Coves. And you know, uh, probably well over half of his congregation, they're, they're pushing over 100 now, 120 or so. Over half of them, he's baptized. They're new converts. Yeah? We have Renewal Church. Now, this church has been here, this is what, 150 years? How long have you guys been here? How old is this church? How old? 140? Okay. You're never supposed to age, you know, age somebody older than they are. So. But anyway. Well, they're meeting in a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Compare the two, right? Yeah. We, we also have New Jerusalem Temple, which is the first Congolese church in the United States that's Mennonite brethren. Yeah? And, you know, over a hundred years, there was a, uh, a man by the name of A.H. Jansen that came out of the Mountain Lake, Minnesota church. He had a passion for the Congo. He was a farmer out there in, in, the, in the prairie out there in Minnesota, and God laid upon his heart that that's what he was supposed to do. And he went over to the Congo, and he started working there with the people there and created some churches there and out of that became the Congolese Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches. And you know what? It's the second largest conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches in the world right now. But you know what else is really cool? Is that now some of these Congolese Mennonite Brethren have immigrated to the United States 
And now they are joining us in our districts. At one point, we had over 30 Congolese churches spreading from all the way up to Maine, all the way over to Phoenix, that had come here to the United States because of war, because uh, of famine, all kinds of things. And they are here in the United States as immigrants who are looking for a place, Rehoboth, so that they would have a home. And so now the North Carolina district is, we call it the Eastern District because the North Carolina Conference now has churches up in Maine and Tennessee and Kentucky and Ohio and Georgia. Yeah? But Claude was the first one that we got to meet. And he's one of our church planters here. We also have an Ethiopian. His, his, uh, his name is Samuel Hamal, Hamal Sam, Samuel. And, and he's in Indianapolis. And you know how they have a fundraiser? Do you guys have fundraisers for the youth, things like that? Yeah. This was their fundraiser. Every year, they rent out their parking lot to the Indianapolis Speedway for people to park. That's how close they are. Yeah. They can't have church there anyway. They're the first private property next to the Speedway. So on Sunday morning, when they're racing around the track... He said, we can't turn up our sound system any louder. It's just, it just doesn't work. So this year, he said they made about $1,800 parking cars in their parking lot. Yeah. God provides, right? Yeah. All of these things happen in and through our district. We also have some that we're helping in terms of church renewal. Uh, we got Faith Bible Church in, in Omaha, uh, Stephen Stout. Uh, They were down to 15 people. We kind of came alongside of them, helped them to pull some things together. And at one point, they were up probably close to 80 people. They settled back down a little bit after COVID. But because we're able to support them, they were able to kind of get through that gap. That's part of what we're doing. Uh, We're also going to be doing that with Stony Brook in in Omaha as well. Uh, You know that Chad Stoner uh, was our church planter there, and he has resigned, and COVID hit kind of all at the same time. They now have a new pastor who's come in. His name is John Annan. And uh, they needed some help in kind of getting things bolstered back up again so that they could move forward. So church planting plus church renewal. Uh, We have our board of faith and life that helps us in terms of theology. And this is what Ephesians 4 talks about too. It talks about the fact that there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's theology. Who is God? There is only one God. And Jesus Christ is our Savior. This idea that theology matters, and this is what we do as a district. We reach out to these churches. We try to encourage our pastors. Uh, We're trying to do what God would have us to do. But most importantly, we recognize that each individual church is its own mission field. What you do here in Henderson and the surrounding area is far different than what's happening in Indianapolis, okay? You have people that you can contact. You have people in your community that you know don't have a home, that drive into empty garages like we did, that hunger for community, that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Every one of our churches is placed here on purpose. And so Paul tells the church at Ephesus, 
He said, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Now, I like that he says walk because, you know, in Hebrews, he uses the word run. He says run. You're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Lay off every sin. Do whatever you can and run to complete your race. But here he kind of put it down to my speed, and he said, walk, okay? Walk. The idea is that you are making movement. You're headed in the right direction. You know, in, in the uh, Great Commission in Matthew 28, it says, go, therefore, and make disciples. The word go is actually a word that can also mean journey. As you are journeying through life, wherever you find yourself, go. This is what he's saying. Whatever stage in life you may be in right now, whatever circumstances you may find yourself in, you are still to be walking according to your calling. So grandparents, you have an important role to your grandchildren. Yeah? Moms and dad, it's been this way for years. You are to model and teach. To children, you're supposed to be attentive and listening and learning and observing. All of these things that we are supposed to be doing, we are supposed to be leaning into these things. And so the question is, as the new year comes, are you changing the calendar with the desire to do better than what you've done before? Do you think that somehow or another, magically, everything is going to get fixed by rubbing that little lamp? The reality is, all God asks us to do is to walk into what we see today. To do what God calls us to be. To be faithful to our calling. To be the people that God wants us to be. To be His witness. To be His testimony. I wish, you know, if I was pastor here, I'd go through every therefore in the book of Ephesians. But it tells us over and over again that we are to put on the full armor of God. We are to be diligent about our knowledge of God. We are to be diligent about loving one another. We are to be diligent about looking around and seeing our community for what it is and investing in our young people for they will be the ones that will take charge of the next generation. You know? But we are called, each and every one of us, to walk in a manner worthy of what we have received. It's so amazing. He said, it used to be that we had the Jews over here and they had their way and you had your temple to Artemis. But when Jesus Christ came, it says that he brought people from near as well as from far and brought them together into one body, the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, I have to tell you, is beautiful. I wish that I, I should have brought a slideshow of all the different things. I've got some videotape of Congolese worship services that will guarantee you to lose weight. Yeah? They jump, they dance, they sing, and they don't need pews because they're always on their feet. Yeah? And I've got other places where it's so quiet and it feels sacred. Yeah? I've got it all between and I've seen so many things. And what God has given to me is a desire that we would understand that as long as there is still today, there is work to be done. The next generation is coming. And if the Lord is not coming right now, and I, many of us think this should be the last time, right? Yeah. 
You know, historically, one of these days a generation is going to be right. One day there will be a generation when the Lord comes back. But every generation believed that God was going to come back in their time. Okay? But also, historically, if you look, when things go really bad for a society, there's oftentimes a revival that takes place. So might it be that God is not coming, but he is preparing the hearts of people for that hunger and desire to be a part of a community where God is God, where they can experience true forgiveness and true love. Might it be that God is yet to call in another great harvest? May we pray that God's will be done, whether the trumpet sounds or our house is full. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, today I want to thank you for your love for me. I want to thank you for those that poured into my life over the years. I want to thank you, Father, that there were people who put their arms around me and taught me the good news of Jesus Christ, who walked with me during those times that I was wavering, walked with me through those times that I was grieving, celebrated with me, who welcomed me in even though I didn't have the right last name. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for its diversity, and I thank you that you are calling many people to come. Lord, open our eyes that we might see and help us to be faithful in following after you. Lord, our knees may be sore, and we might not be able to run as we did in the past, but may we at least walk towards those things that you would have us to do. We'd ask that you would give us the strength to do these things. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.